Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay with us tonight because coming up, could special assessments be a thing of the past here in Fargo and West Fargo? If so, can I get a hallelujah? Plus, some really just shocking data coming out of the Fargo Public Schools that's going to make you ask yourself, what in the world is going on? We start tonight, though, with some breaking news after a long standoff in a Moorhead neighborhood earlier today. It appears to have finally come to an end. It's been going on for hours now. Started just after 9 o'clock this morning on a report of a domestic disturbance at the home off of 5th Street South in Moorhead. A woman actually escaped the home, but it said the suspect was inside with a gun. You can see the video here on your screen of the suspect being arrested after this long standoff. Uh, it was sent to us by a neighbor, this video, and according to our reporter, Bailey Hurley, who just she did an outstanding job all day for you today covering this story. The suspect is 35-year-old Blake Fitzgerald. So he is arrested. Everyone is safe and sound. And thank you and great job to our Moorhead PD and the SWAT team. Good news, obviously, for those of you living in that area. You can now go back home safely, get your dogs out, do the things you want to do after work. Also, in other breaking news, this happened just before the show as well. Former Minneapolis police officer Mohammed Noor, who shot and killed Justice Justine Damon, was found guilty of third-degree murder and second-degree murder. He faces between 10 to 15 years in prison. You may remember Justine had called 911 to report a possible sexual assault behind her home, um, and then the bad things happened. A jury of 10 men, two women, got the case Monday afternoon after three weeks of testimony. Uh, Nor testified that he shot Damone after he heard a bang on a squad car. Then he saw Damone show up at his partner's window that night, raising her arm. Prosecutors said, hey, Nor acted unreasonably in the shooting, of, obviously, as he was found guilty, was not justified. We have a lot to get to tonight. We're going to start here with the immigration piece as well. There's a new and stunning poll where more and more people are finally starting to see what President Trump has been saying all along and that he was absolutely right. There is a crisis at our southern border. Wait until you see the numbers that are now changing for Democrat voters as well. This is the new Washington Post ABC poll. People were asked, hey, do you think the situation at the southern border is a crisis? Now, this first poll is just plain adults here and in general and a whole. But back in January, just before the president declared a national emergency, we had roughly 24% saying that, yes, there is a crisis at our southern border. Since then, as we've seen, obviously, the apprehensions go way up and whatnot. We now have got 35% saying, yes, we have a crisis at our southern border. But maybe in more even shocking news, even the Democrats starting to change their tune. You've got, you know, unprecedented numbers of apprehensions. You see all these families coming across the border. This is just the Democrat numbers here. Back in January, only 7% of Democrats said, yes, there's a crisis at our southern border. Now in April, they jumped 17 points. 24% now say, yeah, you know what? As much as I want to say orange man bad, orange man might be right in the fact that there is a crisis happening at the southern border. Thus why he's declared a national emergency. You may have seen the other news regarding uh, the situation at the southern border. President Trump now wants to change the process for asylum seekers. He wants to charge them a fee if they're going to claim to be asylees. He also wants to make sure that we adjudicate these people much, much more quickly than we have in the past. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but oftentimes with these asylum seekers, the adjudication process, this is according to the 
new acting Department of Homeland Security Secretary says, hey, there's times where we'll, we'll apprehend these people. Uh, then we'll say, okay, here you go. We're going to give you a court date. And they, they won't get adjudicated. They'll go through this for five years they'll be in our country. Five years they're going to stay in our country until that court date finally shows up. And as you and I, we've talked about this before, yeah, you can give them five years in our country, but are they, are they really going to show up for their court date at that point? The answer is no. So what President Trump was looking to do is go, look, we are going to dramatically reduce this adjudication process down to 180 days. 180 days he wants to get down to, which that's even, you know, fairly a long time. But to go from five years to 180 days would be fantastic. As we've talked about yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, there's supposed to be a new comprehensive immigration plan that's going to be released hopefully sometime this week. Jared Kushner's been doing a ton of work up on the Hill trying to put these different pieces together and present something. One of the big aspects of this new immigration plan will be about, hey, what are we going to do for our egg producers? Egg producers right now, they, they want, they need the seasonal ag uh, workers, people coming here on those seasonal visas. So our congressional delegation, uh, President Trump, many people are on board to say, let's expand the seasonal ag visa worker program because they're here legally. We've talked about this many times before. Look, everyone wants to say President Trump is anti-immigration. He's not. He's just anti-illegal immigration. He's always said we want a big, beautiful wall with a big, beautiful door. And I'm with him on that one. We need workers right now. And so I actually asked Ag Secretary Purdue about this on Saturday when he was in town. I said, hey, this is a big issue. What, do you, what can we sort of anticipate? Are we going to find out about getting some approval for more seasonal work visas uh, here in our community. So that should be a part of this plan. Obviously, we'll see how it gets through the political process, but I know many people are looking for this, and I'll give you a prime example. Last night, as we've been talking about this, we actually had somebody email into the show, and I want to share with you what this person had to say. He said, hey, Chris, I'm a beekeeper. The H-2A visa program has been a very important source for labor assistance. The spring work requirements must be met to not only prepare for the upcoming seasonal honey harvest, but more importantly, meet the growing needs for the next pollination season. I saw your interview with Representative Armstrong and today's talk with Senator Kramer, yet I do not hear any positive progress being made. I can only hope and pray that this political wrangling gets taken care of soon. I've had four workers denied visa applications. Some have worked with me previously. So I got that email, I think it was from last night, producer Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but so I emailed them back and said, well, that seems odd if you've had these people work for, work for you before, why are they getting denied now? So he emailed me back. I want to share with you what he said because maybe you can help make more sense of it than, than he or I can at this point. But this person said, hey, Chris, to answer your question regarding the reason why my employees were denied their request for a visa, the bottom line is no. i saying I don't really know. Each individual sets up an appointment and goes into the U.S. consulate for the interview. Uh, each employee has stated that they sat down with the person giving the interview for less than a minute. So they sit down for a minute uh, no questions asked. The interviewer just basically looks over the paperwork very quickly and says, denied. And his former employee now gets up and leaves. One employee, a very good worker, went in for a second interview yesterday. Uh, he wrote actually a separate request, meaning this employer did, stating his need that he was a very good worker. The employee was handed the letter uh, to the interviewer and then still got denied. So he's obviously looking for a more definitive response as well as to what in the world 
is going on. So again, look for a new plan to come out. It's supposed to be this week. There's a lot going on with Venezuela and with the infrastructure thing that came out today. President Trump and Chuck and Nancy looking to spend $2 trillion on infrastructure. So we'll keep you abreast as things progress with a new immigration plan. Now, speaking of infrastructure, I want to talk more about uh, what's happening here locally. The big question that many of us would just sing our praises if this were to happen. Special assessments, could they possibly be a thing of the past in Fargo, maybe even West Fargo? North Dakota, as we know, they wrapped up their legislative session that was late Friday night. One of the things that they did pass out in Bismarck this year was a thing called the Prairie Dog Bill. What this does, it takes state money and it helps fund local infrastructure projects. Well, if you watch the show regularly, I told you a while back, I visited with Fargo City Commissioner Tony Gehrig and he said, hey, the Prairie Dog Bill, what that would mean for Fargo is roughly $16 million per year going towards infrastructure funding. Well, according to Commissioner Gehrig, the average that we spend on specials each year over the last five years, about 13 million. So he says, hey, Berg, last time I checked, 16 is more than 13. We could actually eliminate new special assessments with this Prairie Dog Bill. In fact, and I thought, there's no way that's gonna happen, right? Well, Senate Majority Leader Richard Wardner was on the Scott Hannon What's On Your Mind radio show I think a couple days ago, I want to share with you what Senator Wardner had to say about what Mayor Fargo Mayor Tim Mahoney told him. The mayor of Fargo told me, you know what we're doing with ours? We're going to buy down the third special assessments in Fargo. We're not going to have to put special assessments on going forward. So you heard a little bit of music there and whatnot, but basically saying uh, I reached out to Senator Wardner again today because I, I did email Mayor Mahoney after I heard that, and I thought, no way. So I emailed Mayor Mahoney. I'm like, was this really communicated? Mayor Mahoney gave me a little bit more, you know, muted statement. But he said, yeah, Chris, we could look at this as an opportunity to maybe buy down specials, help mitigate some future specials um, in the future, things of that nature. And, and I spoke, reached out to Rich Wardner today, and Senator Wardner said, yeah, Mayor Mahoney thinks this might be a great opportunity to do some of that. So I bring all this up because as you can see in the screen right here on Thursday, there's going to be another Fargo Special Assessments Task Force meeting. It's going to be up on Facebook as well because it's going to be at 730 in the morning. But this is such a passionate topic. So if you can, go to Fargo City Hall Thursday morning, voice your opinion, or go on Facebook, voice your opinion, and say, guys, we're getting 16 more million from the state. Let's get rid of these things and stop having, as you know, we've talked about this before. If you're a senior citizen on a fixed income and you get that thing in the mail that shows, oh, hey, now you got another couple grand in specials, how are you going to pay for that? If you're the average Joe like you and me and you get that stinking letter in the mail that shows, oh, you got another couple grand in specials, it adds up in a hurry. So let's find a way to hold these people's feet to the fire and potentially get rid of these things. It's also a hot topic in West Fargo. West Fargo recently did a survey uh, asking the people of West Fargo, hey, what's your take on special assessments? And like everybody else in the state, they said, look, they're just way too expensive. There's poor communication from government. We don't really know when they're going to hit our, hit our house or not. They're not done really effectively or well. They're way too expensive. So the other thing that people in West Fargo said is there's got to be a better way to fund these things. They suggested maybe a sales tax. I'm saying, hey, maybe this prairie dog money. Mayor Dardis out of West Fargo, I asked him about this. He said, Chris, <laughs> we're very grateful for the money from the state. He did not say anything specific about getting rid of specials in West Fargo by using the prairie dog money. But again, it might be something to discuss with your uh, city leaders in West Fargo as well to at least nudge them in that direction, maybe 
make that suggestion. So we'll keep you abreast of what's happening here with the special assessments in our community. I want to touch on this as well. Um, there's some just incredible story coming out of Fargo Public Schools and what's happening in our classroom. Fargo teachers right now, they're still negotiating their contracts. And one of the things that they're looking for is, which I think all of us would assume is pretty normal, they just want to say, hey, can you help me so I can go to work and ensure that I'm going to be safe? Pretty basic. And the reason they're making that request is because right now there is just an unprecedented amount of violence that's happening in our classrooms towards teachers. I want to remind you, this is back from May of 2018. Our former Fargo School Superintendent, Dr. Schatz, had said this in an article a while back. He says, when he goes to national conferences, injuries caused by aggressive student behavior is the number one thing talked about now. He says, I've been in this business for 32 years and never has he seen some of the things that we're seeing now regarding, obviously, the violence that is taking place in the classrooms. And I got to ask you this. When you think back when you went to school, did you ever have kids that were intimidating or going after teachers or being violent toward teachers? I, I honestly can't think of a time where if I would ask one of my former teachers, hey, did you ever feel intimidated or fearful being at work? I can't think of one that would say yes. So I want to ask you tonight, if, if I were to ask you, hey, if you were to go poll teachers right now in the Fargo area, or really across the state, remember Senator Joan Heckman was trying to pass a bill about this as well out of Bismarck, but if you were to go poll teachers at your school and say, hey, what percentage of the teachers there feel intimidated or fearful while they're in their classroom, what would you guess? Maybe 10%? I mean, if you were going to be really go above and beyond, say maybe 25, 30% would feel that way? Well, in Fargo here, they had a person that actually did a survey of 850 teachers across the Fargo School District. And when I asked them, hey, do you ever feel fearful or you know, scared or intimidated in your classroom? Here's what they had to say about how they feel in their classroom. Bring this graphic up, please. But according to what they polled here locally, 70%, 70% of the teachers say when they're in the classroom, they have felt intimidated or fearful because of what's going on right now as far as the violence in the classroom. Some of the teachers as well, there was an article that talked about uh, because of some of the scenarios they've been through, because some are getting you know, bitten in class, things thrown at them. Uh, they're in that missing work because they're going through post-traumatic stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder from being in a classroom, folks. That's the kind of stuff. PTSD is what you hear about from our heroes that are going into the theater of war. Not walking in as a passionate teacher trying to enrich and help the most valuable asset on our planet, our kids. So this is some pretty stunning stuff to me. Obviously, I'm not in a classroom, but I hear these stats, and it shocks me. So what the teachers are saying is, look, this stuff's happening. We need to figure out a better way to mitigate it, which fortunately they've got an administration that wants to help them do that. But some of these teachers are missing up to 10 days of work because of these stressful situations. So in the negotiations, they're just saying, look, I just don't want to have to use my sick leave days. If I'm going to be you know, out of class because of stress or I've been injured by a student, give me some other sort of way to use some time to do that. Hopefully they're going to work this out because it makes me I don't want to say sick, but it's really hard for me to understand why we can't help accommodate our teachers if they're going through that kind of stressful situation. So we'd love to know your point of view, your thoughts on what you're hearing, maybe from your own uh, students, grandkids, whatnot, about what's happening there uh, in the classrooms 
for our teachers. One thing I want to touch on, and it's actually, I believe, happening right now, and Josh, producer Josh, if you get an update for us, uh, let us know. But right now there is a task force meeting taking place over at Fargo South as well because they're looking to change the boundaries for some middle school students. And there's a lot of parents that are upset because they've got these sort of guiding principles right now. I did reach out to the vice president of the Fargo School Board earlier today to talk about the situation. But they've got these guiding principles and how they want to make some changes. And some kids would have, you know, 20 to 25 minute commutes on the bus if these changes were going to take place when they've got a middle school maybe just a few miles away. One other thing they're looking at though is they want to make sure they've got an equitable distribution from a socioeconomic status of students. Which I think, you know, hey, that sounds like maybe a fair way to go about things, but I think some parents are going, wait a second, why is that one of the guiding principles when if you go look at data according to education, and many people are going to say it's about race or, you know, refugee status or anything, but, but it's not. If you go look at the common sort of delineation or delineator when it comes to educational assessment, educational achievement, it's typically a socioeconomic thing. You can look back in history and there was a direct correlation between the value of your home and a student's SAT scores. If you look in Fargo at the yearly progress report, often there is a correlation, a direct one between the socioeconomic status of a family as well as that student's uh, educational development, if you will. Now, it's not 100 percent. I'm not saying that, but it's a pretty common correlation. So some people are questioning, hey, is that the right guiding principle to make some of these changes. Um, I'm diving more into this story. There's a lot of parents that are calling me and contacting me about it. So if you want uh, to give me some more information or talk about it, please, you know, you can email us at uh, that email address. You can reach out to us on our um, different ways you can communicate with the show. But very, very hot topic. We'd love to know more from you about what you'd like to see happen. From the parents I've talked to so far, they're saying, Chris, what we would prefer at this point is just kind of do nothing. Just do nothing at this point. Let's see how this growth really pans out. If this is as much of an issue as maybe the Fargo School Board is saying it is or not, at least give us another maybe 12 to 15 months to figure this thing out. So a lot there tonight. There's so much breaking news. It's unbelievable. But we'd love to know your point of view when you look at the immigration situation, what's happening with the seasonal uh, visa workers that we've got going on. You've got possibly no more special assessments, the situation with school boundaries. Lots and lots happening, so please share your point of view with us.